This Christmas has been very different for almost every person that can hear my voice. The very fact that we're gathering online right now, not a week before Christmas, shows us that this year has been very different. The reality of our fallen world and its suffering has come crashing down on every person on the face of the earth. And while it might seem to all of us like this Christmas is a season that has never been experienced on the face of the earth, I think this morning um, it would be good for us to have a little perspective as we look at John 1 and the God who has been made flesh. So I want you to imagine with me what it might have been like to approach Christmas during the year 1918. In 1918, the world was coming to the close of a terrible world war and at the same time beginning to fight another global pandemic. Uh, It's hard for me to comprehend even this year the amount of deaths of people from the coronavirus. Um, We have all had friends, family, even now I have family that are um, battling the coronavirus and it is very hard to put those numbers in perspective. And even harder still is the idea that in 1918 over 70 million people lost their lives either from the flu pandemic or from World War I. And uh, that's just impossible to understand. But once again, I think we are reminded both from years past and this year that death and sorrow are a part of our world. You see, I find that as an American, I tend to want to think that my education or my social status or my money or the fact that I am an American in modern times in the age of technology, that these things would isolate me from what seems like a third world issue of poverty, death, disease. But the truth is that we have all realized that no matter how advanced we think we are as a society, that unfortunately death and disease and sorrow are a part of our world and have been. So it's to this kind of world whether in 1918 or in 2020, to these moments in time that God sends a message. He sends a word. And it's that word that we're going to talk about this morning. And the message that God sends is a person, and his name is Jesus. This morning, we're going to look at John 1, verses 1 through 14. So if you're watching at home, I invite you to uh, pull out your smartphone or turn to John 1 in your Bible. Um, We're going to look at how the word of God at the beginning of the world was made flesh and dwelt among us, and that he brought light into our darkness, the darkness of every tragedy, every loss, every form of sin and death, and then we're going to look at what that means for us right now in 2020. So this morning, let's hear the word of God together. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. John 1, 1. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1, 9 through 14. Oh, that was great. Um, just so thankful for those who um, would share the word of God with us. It's so great to see faces of our friends and family um, reading God's word this morning. So thank you for that. Let's, uh, we're going to have a time just to pray before we enter in. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for what it means for us. Thank you that it is still just as impactful today as it has ever been. Thank you that the God made flesh has the same kind of implications on our lives and our stories today, right now, that you are not limited by time, and that your spirit and your church go forth to make your gospel known and to change the earth into your kingdom. Amen. So let's unpack what our text says this morning, and we're going to look at what it means for us today. So the first thing I notice in John 1 is always the parallel between this passage and Genesis 1. Both begin in the beginning. So I want to look at the parallels real quick. And we're going to read Genesis chapter 1, the first few verses. Genesis 1, verse 1 says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. See, both Genesis and John speak of a God who steps into darkness and brings light by his word. If there's anything we need right now this Christmas, it is for someone to step into the darkness of our story and the story of our world with a powerful light. So these are the things we see in summary in our text. We see that Jesus is the very word of God personified, that he has come to bring light to darkness. John is his messenger. Jesus came into the world, but the world rejected him. And the good news is that those that receive him are adopted as children of God because God himself has come to dwell with humanity and we bear witness to his glory. So here are a few things that I want to camp out on as we look at this text and we look at how to apply it to our lives. First thing is this, it's undeniable that Jesus is the incarnate word of God. He is the personification of of the word of God in the flesh. He was there in the beginning. See, these things I grew up hearing from Sunday school, 
years ago. These are the answers that for many of us, we've heard in sermon upon sermon for many years. But here's the thing. When I hear something over and over again, I have a tendency to end up glossing over it where it doesn't really even mean anything. It's almost lost their meaning. So we've heard Jesus is the word of God. We've heard that so many times that it can end up losing some of its meaning. So I want us to take a look at this, to slow down and ask God to give us fresh eyes on what that actually means and the richness of it. Because there's a richness in this text and the implications and the context and the rest of Scripture that is just beautiful. See, in the beginning, God spoke. His word, his voice went out over the voided darkness and he said a command. Let there be light. And there was light. But this was not just God turning on a light switch. There's much more to this than just the practical thing that happened. It was him speaking his kingly command to his creation. No different than when our brain commands our arm to move our legs or our hands. It was not a suggestion. It was a declaration. God said, let there be light. And he continues, the voice of God continues further on in Genesis to every step of creation. And God said, and God said, on and on. It is not good for man to be alone. And further on in scripture, God said to Noah and his family, be fruitful and multiply. In Exodus 3, 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am, has sent me to you. His creator, author, word is seen throughout scripture. Psalm 33, 6 says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their host. Psalm 147, 15 through 18 says this. says, he sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. See, from Genesis to Revelation, God's word, throughout scripture is filled with authority. It is a kingly decree. When I think of a kingly decree, when I think of God speaking the world into being, I think of the old movie, The Ten Commandments, where Pharaoh is making a decree for his court to hear, and they always say, so let it be written, so let it be done. What they're saying when they say that is, the king has said this. The king has made a decree and because he has made a decree, we will write it on the walls of our cities and it will be done and it will be an authority for all of time. So it's key that we rest and we understand this and meditate on this. Because throughout scripture, we have heard the word of the Lord spoken from heaven, spoken from a burning bush, from angels, in all of these places, from prophets, this is the history, this is the context that we arrive at John 1 with. But now, the author himself steps into the picture and his word, his kingly word, which was from the beginning, 
is personified in flesh, in a person named Jesus. It's not hidden, it's not abstract, but it's personal. It's real, it's tangible. You can see it and touch it. That's the truth that we have to grapple with this morning and that we can be comforted with this morning is that the word of God, the kingly decree, the plan of God is a person and his name is Jesus. The very authority, authorship, and person of God has stepped into the story that he himself created. He has stepped into this story and he has done it to bring light, which brings us to our second point that I want to camp out on. Not only has the author stepped into the story, but he has stepped into the story to bring light and life. Jesus is the light which brings life out of darkness. Just as God speaks light into the darkness in Genesis 1 and thus creates all life of our physical creation, he does so again in John 1. Into the darkness of our fallen nature, God speaks those same words. Let there be light. And his perfect son, the word of God in human form, is born into our world. The author has stepped into the picture to bring light and life to all mankind. God has sent his son to bring eternal life instead of eternal death. To bring light amidst our darkness. This is the promise we desperately need. This year has been dark and full of death. There's not one person that has not been affected. But this year, it's clear. We need a Savior. We need a light in our darkness. But what Jesus made flesh means for us, what, what it means that he came and dwelt among us to bring light, it means that darkness and death will not have the last word. Because the next verse says this, it says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. God with the coming of Jesus is saying once and for all that this light, this sacrifice that Jesus will go on to make on the cross, it will end the rule of darkness over my creation forever. At Christmas we sing, chains shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name, all oppression shall cease. That's because he puts an end to the destruction, not only of sin, but the power of the evil one and oppression of mankind. So for us, even in the midst of this terrible year with so much suffering, we can have hope. Hope like the old hymn says, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. And this is why. Because we know why he came. It's not just that he came to dwell among us. That's amazing enough as it is, but he came to dwell among us so that he could live like us, fully God and fully man, tempted in all ways like we were. And so he could go to a cross and become the mediator between God and man. That on the cross, the light of the world was pierced and mocked in the very moment that the darkness looked to have won. It was defeated because God not only stepped into the story as a human, born into poverty, but he offered up and was unjustly accused and died as a sacrifice for you and for me. That is the gospel truth. 
Because it was after the light that God created in the Garden of Eden that was marred by the fall, he gave Adam and Eve skins of an animal. This was the first sacrifice to cover their shame. After the flood, God made a covenant with Noah to place his bow in the sky as a reminder that he would not flood the earth again. See, these are all the sacrifices throughout Scripture that God has made to cover the shame and the sin and the fallenness of our creation. And the cool thing about this is that the Hebrew word for bow in this text is the same Hebrew word used for the kind of bow one uses in battle, as in bows and arrows. What God is saying in this covenant with Noah is that I'm laying down my weapons. And not only than that, it's a symbol that the bow of God's wrath would no longer be pointed at humanity but towards the heavens because God would one day come and be made flesh and make a lasting and everlasting sacrifice for our sins and for the coming restoration of the world. So this light that Jesus brings here is a light that has been looked for for generations throughout all of history. And it's a light that is lasting and everlasting. It gives us hope today. And the good news is that Jesus didn't just come and dwell among us and then ascend up to heaven to leave us back on our own. The truth of this passage is that the God who made, was made flesh to dwell among us still dwells with us today. He still dwells with us. That's the good news of this passage, that the incarnate word of God made flesh, the light and life of all mankind. He still dwells with us today. And you might say, there's no physical Jesus here today. It's not a tangible body, but it's the body of his bride, the church. He dwells in the hands and the feet of his children, bearing witness to his gospel and loving one another in ways that defy human nature. You see, in plagues of years past, the Christians were the ones that would risk their lives to care for those who were dying and were suffering. They would not seek their own personal health, their own personal satisfaction, but they would give of their lives for others. He dwells in people like that. He dwells this week in our church in the prayer group that has lifted up so many people who are suffering, people on ventilators, kids who are in the hospital, who people are praying for on their hands and knees. He exists and he dwells in those people. He dwells in those who spent hours this past couple weeks joyfully working for kids in our community to have an awesome Christmas. And he also dwells with us through his Holy Spirit a helper that Jesus sent that is always with us, as it says in John 14. He dwells through the words of prophecy, through healing, and through the rebirth of salvation. It's important that we meditate on this. As the Psalms say, Selah, meditate, rest, think on this. When we talk about Christ made flesh and the works of Christ on earth, we are not speaking in the past tense. The hope we have today at the end of this year is that Emmanuel, God with us, 
is not a past event, but a present and ongoing one. I'm going to say that again. The God that we talk about today, the one who has come to save us from our sin, the one who healed the blind and the lame, the one who did miraculous wonders, his works we're not speaking in the past tense. God with us is not a past event, but a present and ongoing one. The God who came as a baby and died on the cross for you continues to those who receive him, his children. He makes them with a right, a right to the inheritance of heaven. And he will continue to redeem not only our sinful natures, but our fallen world until one day we can hope in this church that there will not be any more sickness, there will not be any more death or war or suffering, but that one day he will make all things right. Because he is the word of God made flesh. Because he has come to bring light and life to all mankind. And because the God who dwells with us still dwells with us through his church and through his spirit. So it's at this point that we should ask, what does this mean for us? What, What does God want us to take from this text? It means that because the word of God was made flesh, the author and the king of creation has not only stepped into the brokenness of our world, but he has stepped into the brokenness and the sin and the mess that is your story and my story and everyone's story on the face of this earth. He has stepped into that story as well. It means for those of us this morning who are suffering, it means comfort. The cost of sin and the fallen nature of our world will not win out in the end. Christ has not abandoned us, but rather through his spirit and his church continues to bring the world to himself, to heal, to redeem, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Through Jesus, we can overcome because he has overcome the world. It's only through him. We can't grit and bear it. We can't hide, but we can surrender to the one who has all authority over suffering, all authority over sin and death. It also means for those who are lost, for those who don't know Christ, come home. The beauty of this passage is that Christ gives an invitation, not to those who are part of his world, but to those who receive him. Not to those who have a spiritual background, not to those who know what to say, but to those who receive him. And the beauty is that those who receive Jesus, he gives the right to adoption to the family of God. It's so beautiful. That is what the gospel is. You cannot do enough. You can't avoid sin enough. You can't read enough. You can't give enough to earn that right. That's the bad news. There's no amount of behavior that we can do that will make us right with God. But the good news of the gospel, if you've never heard the gospel, is that 
God, when we were enemies of his, when we hated him, we wanted nothing to do with him. He steps into our story and loves us with lavish love. And he cares for us and he gives us the opportunity to become children of God. He's inviting you to that today if you've never done that. It means also for those of us who are running the race, for those of us who are laboring in ministry right now, that you are not alone. This has been such a hard year to be in, any kind of leadership, whether it's in the church or in the private sector, anywhere. It's been hard to be a father, a husband, a wife, a mother. For those of you that are leading in some capacity, I want you to know that the God who dwells with us still means that Christ is offering you rest. Not rest when the job is done. Not rest when the kids are in bed, although that's awesome. Not just rest when 2020 is over or when this is fixed or when that is right. But he offers us rest in the moment because he's not distant from our pleas. He's not distant from our day-to-day cries. He's with us. He loves us. He cares for us. That is the hope of John 1 for us this morning. That God became flesh, dwelt among us, and we behold his glory. The glory of the Father. So this morning as we conclude this message, I would ask you to take time and meditate. Ask yourself, what does the God-made flesh mean for me? Where are the places that I'm trying to do it on my own? Where are the ways that God would invite me into his rest, into his provision, and into his family? That's the gift of Christmas. That's the gift of the God-made flesh. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this message. Thank you for your word, your word that speaks louder than any words that I could say. Jesus, may your word pierce through our hearts and through our minds and through our notions and our our stories and our wounds. And may it do its work, which you have sent it for. Jesus, may the God who has become flesh be made real in every person's life who hears this message because you still are working in our midst. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.